Welcome to the Every Nation Dorado Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. Good morning, spiritual family. I'm so glad to be with you once again this morning. Um, this last week, we were praying and fasting as a church. What an amazing time. If you joined in with us, it was an amazing time together as a spiritual family. What was so significant for me was um, praying three times a day. It's such a good habit even to uh, continue in your life. It's something that I'm going to keep the rhythm, keep the routine is uh, time with the Lord in the morning, time with the Lord at noon and time with the Lord in the evening. And I am full of faith that God did something within our congregation as a body, but also as individuals in our church. And so it was such a rich time and God has increased our faith. We are ready for the last um, part of the year and expectant of what God is yet going to do. And so it was an amazing time. But welcome once again this morning. I hope you've greeted someone in the chats this morning. Um, just saying hi to someone else, um, even someone you might not know that you see is on. Um, but we are happy to be with you this morning. And so over the last couple of weeks, we've been busy with this sermon series, God's plan for holiness, sanctification, and consecration. And holiness is this idea that God has set us apart. And sanctification is this, this process of getting us holy. And we know in week one, Pastor Chris started with the, the topic, um, God's plan for holiness, sanctification, and consecration by redemption, that Christ has purchased us by the blood of Christ into holiness um, as children of God. And then week two, Pastor Hilma continued with God's plan for holiness, sanctification, and consecration by the Spirit, that the Holy Spirit enables us to live this victorious lives. And if you have missed those two weeks, I would encourage you to go back to them and listen to them because today links up with them. So today is God's plan for holiness, consecration, um, and sanctification by obedience. And so the very, um, to come to the very point of obedience is because of redemption and because of the work of the Spirit in us that enables us to be obedient children to God. And so if you haven't listened to the previous two, go back, go on our, on our YouTube channel and listen to the other two um, sermons that was preached. And so this morning, I want you to open your Bibles with me at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13 to 25, and then 2 Peter, ah, 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, verse 1 to 3. So just the next three verses um, after that section. And so I'm reading out of the English Standard Version. So if you have your Bibles, um, please follow with me. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. 
as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call him as your father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourself with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from a futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He, he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through, the, through him uh, are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth um, for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart since you have been born again, not of a perishable seed, but an imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass and all glory like the flower of grass, the grass with us, the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this is the good news that was preached to you. Chapter 2 verse 1, it says, So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, like newborn babies, like newborn infants, long for pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up, into your salvation, if indeed you have tasted, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. So let's pray, and then we're going to go to work in this text. Father, we thank you for this morning, Lord. We pray that we will not be just hearers of your word, but we will be doers. Father, I pray that you make this word alive. We just read that your word is a never-failing, never-ending word. It is what will last forever. Lord, may your word transform us from the inside out this morning. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. And so, this book, Peter wrote it, the apostle, um, the man who was impulsive, the man who denied Jesus, came to be a big man in the church world did magnificent things, great things for God. And he writes this. And Peter writes this letter to Christians that was scattered. They were dispersed in Galatia, in Pontus, in Cappadocia, in Asia, Bithynia. And he was writing this letter to, to encourage them so that they will endure and remain faithful to Christ, knowing that Christ will come back knowing that He will be the one that will come back and then they will experience the fullness of the salvation that He has promised. And, and the way Peter was encouraging these people that were scattered is by telling them to look at Christ as your model. And He said to them, you, He suffered and then went into glory and you will most likely follow that same pattern. And so... Paul was, uh, Peter was encouraging, urging them to stand firm, hold on 
to Christ. Don't lose hope because there's a salvation that's coming when Jesus comes again. And this Peter swerves between this idea of personal holiness and uh, positional holiness and personal holiness. And what you're going to see in chapter 1, the, the passage that you're dealing with, it's building on top of what he said in the verses before. And he was talking about their positional holiness. And positional holiness refers to the fact that they were born again. It, it refers to the fact that they turned from, from a turn to God, turning from their sin, now standing justified and righteous before God. So your, your positional holiness refers to the fact that if you now had to stand before God, how will He view you? And He would view us justified and righteous because of redemption in week one. Now we're standing before Him. We are separated unto a life for God. And so whenever I refer to pers of positional holiness in this message, I'm referring to the fact that your positional, your position before God as a born again believer is justified and righteous. So positionally, we are holy. And this is what Peter was telling them in chapter 1, verse 1 to 12. He was praising the salvation that they received. And he was reminding them. And if he had to write it to us, he would say exactly the same word. And so he was telling them that because of God's great mercy, you have been born again. Not because we deserve it, not because we surrendered our lives, but because of the mercy of God, because we got what we didn't deserve. We deserve punishment and death and condemnation, but the mercy of God has caused us to be born again. And he says we are born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Christ. Not a dead hope, but a living hope to an inheritance that is imperishable undefiled and unfading. We have an inheritance that is awaiting us in the kingdom of God and this inheritance cannot rust. It cannot fade. It cannot, it's not, it's undefiled. It's a pure inheritance. And Peter was telling them that it's kept in heaven. He says you are born again to a living hope, to an inheritance that's unfading, undefiled, are imperishable, and this inheritance is kept in heaven, guarded by the power of God through the faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed at the last time. And he says, in this we rejoice, even though there's trials. So because of our positional holiness, because of God's great mercy that caused us to be born again to a living hope, to an inheritance kept in heaven by the power of God that is ready to be revealed because of what is yet to come. We rejoice in that and we stand firm through the trials that is in our lives. And so if Peter had to write to us, he would say to the dispersion of Ventuk, to the people in Ventuk, you've been born of God with a great mercy, to an inheritance, a living hope, kept in heaven for you. Stand firm, because there's something coming 
that is greater. And so Peter would encourage us as I'm encouraged, lift your eyes. Don't live for the here and now because there's an inheritance in heaven kept for us. So the main idea of today's message is that our personal holiness by redemption, by the Spirit, should affect our, uh, our positional holiness by redemption, by the Spirit, should affect our personal holiness. Personal holiness is a lifelong journey. If you have been born of God, you're going to be on this journey of becoming holy for the rest of your life. Our personal holiness is a practical, continuous, experiential sanctification. It has practical implication. It affects our lifestyle. It is continuous, meaning it never ends. And it is experiential. We experience this change that God does within us. Personal holiness is a work of the Spirit that He empowers us to live a life of victory over sin, but also a life of obedience to God's will. And so our personal holiness is this sanctification that is an ongoing process to make us holy, to make us being set apart. And it's at this point that Peter got to verse 13 and he says, Therefore, in light of this great hope, in light of this great mercy, in light of this inheritance that is undefiled, imperishable, um, uh, in heaven, kept by the power of God, in light of that, therefore, therefore, and he's calling us into a holiness. And so our main aim today it's just going to show again how our position, because we are born again, affects our personal, our obedience, the outworking, our lifestyle. And I want to give you four areas today that your positional holiness will affect your personal holiness. So yes, point one. Being positionally holy affects our minds. Being positionally holy affects our minds. Verse 13, therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be revealed um, to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So Peter opens to say, because you're positionally right, get your mind ready. Get yourself sober-minded or self-controlled in other words. And so, um, so while we are doing this, he says, set your hope. While you're preparing your minds, while you're remaining sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that's going to be revealed. So once again, there's this indication pushing us um, upwards to what is yet to come. But what it should affect now is our minds. The King James Version of that phrase, preparing your minds for action, is a phrase that is called, gird up the lions in your mind. Gird up the lions in your mind. And a, a modern translation of that verse is roll up your sleeves. Prepare yourself for action. It's like a, a runner um, going to the, to the racing block and they have their tracksuit on. They need to take everything off. Preparing, getting themselves in a position ready for the gun to go off so that they can run. Gird up your minds is this image of preparing yourself for confrontation. It's going to war. You take what is needed to get into action. And so Peter was saying, get your minds ready. Get your minds in action. 
Get your roll up your sleeve because confrontation is coming. And because of our position as a child of God, we're on a journey to this inheritance. We have a race to run. We have a warfare to accomplish. And so roll up your sleeves. Being positionally holy should affect our mindsets. It should affect us being sober-minded, being alert, ready for a fight that is yet to come. And you might ask yourself, what fight? The reason we prepare our minds and we are sober-minded and alert is because we have an enemy. Peter was clarifying to them in chapter 5 verse 8. He says this, be sober-minded and watchful or be vigilant, be spiritual awake. You have an adversary, the devil, that prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. No, the, the devil doesn't wait for someone to devour. He's seeking. He's not waiting for someone to come in. He's seeking to tear apart lives. He's seeking to attack your faith. And so now Peter says, because you are born again, you're not going to go to this inheritance. You're not going to achieve what God has called you to achieve in this life or in the life to come without a fight. We need to fight through this life. And so the devil is looking for a moment for you to let your guard down. He's looking for a moment for your faith to waver. He's looking for a moment for your eyes to dwell and look upon things that you shouldn't. He's looking for a household where it's full of quarrel and fighting, going in for the attack. He's looking for people gossiping, trying to get them. He's looking for unethical decision making in the business world. Looking to devour. And Peter said, because of your position, knowing now that you're a child of God, you're going to face opposition, get your minds ready. Be sober-minded, be self-controlled, be ready for confrontation. Again, in chapter 4, verse 8, he clarifies again what he means. He says, the end of all things is at hand, therefore be self-controlled. Be sober-minded. Sober-minded is this, this idea of not being intoxicated. It's the opposite of drunkenness. Be alert, be, be, be yourself, be of, be of a pure mind. And he says, therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. For the discipline of your prayers, does another translation say. So the first place that our positional holiness affects is our minds. It affects our minds because we are setting ourselves up for action. Ready to persevere through trials, ready to face the persecution, ready to move through moments of life where the enemy wants to get us down, knowing that God is going to give us a grace at his second coming, fully revealed to us. So we get our minds ready. Um, secondly, being positionally holy affects our conduct. Being positionally holy affects our conduct. Verse 14, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you um, shall be holy for I am holy. You shall be holy for I am holy. It's a simple reason why are we holy because he's holy. But, but Peter says, do not be conformed. You're an obedient child now. You're no longer disobedient. You're an obedient child now. What should an obedient child not do is conform to the passions 
of their former ignorance. What were those? What were those passions? He again says that in chapter 4, verse 2 and 3. He says, you won't spend your, you won't spend the rest of your lives chasing after your own desires. So where does our conduct shift in chasing our own desires? Obedient children don't chase their own desires. They chase the desires of the Father. But you will be anxious to do the will of God. You have had enough in the past of the evil things that godless people enjoy. What is things that godless people enjoy is immorality and its lust and drunkenness and wild parties and their terrible worship of idols. That was the NLT version. But this is the former things. This is the things that if we are positionally holy, if we are truly born again, our personal conduct cannot follow these things anymore because we are obedient children ready to do the will of God. You see, people without God does godless things. They do godless things. Titus 3 verse 3 says, For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. These were the previous things. These were, we were foolish, disobedient. That's why he says, now you're an obedient. You're no longer disobedient. Do not conform to these previous things. So Peter is telling the churches, don't go back. Don't go back. If you are born again by the great mercy of God, don't go back. Don't conform to those passions. Again, move away from wild parties and drunkenness and lust and hatred. Move from this envy lifestyle. Get away from it. Don't go back. You can put that in the chat saying, I'm not going back. Don't go back. We are obedient children and we don't go back. And, and why that former passions and desires was normal is because we had an old nature. It's because we were, we were not born again, but now we have a new nature. You see, drunkenness and lust and envy and hypocrisy and malice and hatred and all those things is normal for someone who's not born again. But it is not normal for people who have been born again by the great mercy of God. Our position in God, our born again position should now affect our conduct. And someone who goes back, Proverbs says what that person is like in Proverbs 6, 26 verse 11. It says, that man is like a dog returning to his vomit. So like a dog returns to his vomit is a fool who repents, uh, who repeats his fo foolishness, his folly. Someone who says, I'm positionally right with God, I'm born again, and goes back. It's like a dog returning to his vomit. 
See, but the Bible in, in 1 John 3 verse 9 says to us, no one, no one, that word no one means no one, not a single person that is born of God makes a practice of sinning. So no one who is in a place of positional holiness lives a lifestyle of personal sin and practices, enjoys it, have, make habits out of it. No one does that. Why? For God's seed is in him and he cannot keep on sinning. His conduct cannot but change. If you're positionally right with God, you cannot but stop the things that is not obedient to the Father, things that is foolish, our former ignorance. He cannot keep on sinning. Why? Because he has been born of God. And so our positional holiness has made us obedient children that wants to be holy like the one who called us is holy in all our conduct. And so because we are saved by redemption, by the Spirit, it affects all of our life, even the outward, the visible areas of it. So what does obedient children do? Chapter 4 verse 2, it says, But you will be anxious to do the will of God. Obedient children are anxious to please their father. They are anxious to live an honorable life. They are anxious to do the things that God wants to do. They are, they are ready to come under the submission of the one who saved them by great mercy. Sub, meaning align to his mission. Obedient children says yes to him in all their ways. His commands are non-negotiable. Wherever we find ourselves misaligned with His word or His ways, we repent and realign ourselves. But it's not a negotiable matter. See, Romans 12 verse 2 says, Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Obedient children does not conform to their passions of their former ignorance, but they allow God to transform them, transform them into His image. We are not just delivered by force or by sin. We're not just delivered from sin. We are delivered from sin unto the will of God, unto a different lifestyle that we now live. And so if we are saying positionally we are holy, we've been born again, by the great mercy of God, to a living hope, an inheritance, imperishable, unfading, undefiled, kept in heaven by the power of God, it should, it should affect our lifestyle. No longer can we conform to lust and wild parties and envy and hypocrisy and malice and hatred. It just cannot it's just not who we are it's not our nature we've gotten a new nature a nature that's alive consciousness of the spiritual things consciousness to the will of God we're alive to God and it affects every area of our life and so thirdly um, our third point for today is being positionally holy affects 
your fear of the Lord. Being born again affects our view of God. And so verse 17 to verse 19, it says, And if you call him as father, who judges, impar- who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were transformed from your futile ways, inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver and gold, but with the precious, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. And so being positionally, being saved by this great mercy of God gives us an awe of God in our minds. We're thinking, how on earth would you even save someone like me? Why would you even show me mercy? I was an enemy destined for the wrath and condemnation into eternal hell, but you came and you showed me great mercy. And so this this internal transformation, this place of being born again affects our outlook on life. It affects how we look at life. It affects how we go about life. And so we, we, we prepare ourselves while we're on this earth. You've got to hear this. We prepare ourselves while we're on this earth to stand before Him. Because you see, as a born-again believer, we won't be judged in the same way who someone who's not born again who would be condemned into eternal hell. But you will be judged for your life on this earth. And, and he says to this, um, conduct yourselves with fear throughout your time, throughout the time of your exile. The, the, the common English Bible says it like this, during the time of your dwelling in a strange land. And so here's what he's saying is, if you are positionally right with God, this is not home. This is not where you're going to spend your whole life. And so while you're here, spend your life in the fear of God. And what is interesting, if, you, if I could use an illustration, it's like a, or for me personally in my life, it was like when I was away from home, when I went to school, I went to visit a friend in those households. I had to conduct my way, my, my life in a way that would honor my home. It would honor my father back home. And if I, I was um, misbehaving at school and it was reported home, my punishment, my judgment came at home. Because that's where I belong. I'm a stranger at, at school. I'm a stranger at my friend's house, but when I come home, I come back to the father. That's why he says, that's why he says, and if you call him as a father, he's going to judge you. Your life on this earth is going to be a report for what's coming because you're going home. And so if I misbehaved away from home, my punishment came at home. I knew it. I would get my things at home. Home. Some of you might know about that. 
But you see, because we are exiles, so what helps us as born-again believers living a life on this earth is having this mindset, one, that this is a strange land. And that means the things around us is weird. It's weird. We don't do the things. This is not our household. This is not our things get done within our home. And so we live in this fear of God that we're going to stand before Him and give an account of every reckless word, every deed, everything we've done on this earth. We're going to give an account. So live knowing this is not home. You're still going home. And then secondly, what affects our fear of the Lord is this part where he says, conduct yourselves with fear throughout your time of exile, one. And secondly, knowing that you were ransomed, knowing that you were redeemed, not by silver or gold, not by money, Nobody could buy your redemption on this earth. You were redeemed by the precious blood of Christ who hung on a cross and bleeded for you so that you can be positionally holy, so that you can be saved by the great mercy of God, so that you can have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit making you, sanctifying you more and more to be like your father. And so we live in this fear, this awe that this is not home. I'm going home and my life here is gonna matter. And so our positional holiness affects our fear of the Lord. It should. We should have a greater awe. We should have a greater fear. We should have a greater wonder of God. The moment we are positionally holy, meaning we are born again believers. Then here's my last point. Being positionally holy affects your love towards your spiritual family. Listen to this. Having purified your souls, verse 22. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of a perishable seed, but imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. He says you have been purified. Your souls has been purified by truth, by, 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 your, by your obedience to the truth, by you putting your faith in God and turning away from sin. You have been purified and you're continuing to be purified. And he says this, for what are you purified? Why are you purified? Having been purified for your, uh, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for for what? For a sincere brotherly love. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Imagine that being positionally holy should affect your love towards your spiritual family. It should give you a wholehearted, a profound, such a unique, deep love from the heart for those that God has added to the church, to the body, as a family. So we should love God's people, meaning we should love our spiritual family. You see that word, that word where it says, since, 
sincere brotherly love. A brother is family. It refers to a family relationship. He was writing to churches, saying, churches, you are a family and you're born again to love one another. Why? Because the Bible says it's by the way we love one another that they will know, that the world will know that we are children of God. And so for us to say we are born, uh, uh, born again and, and not love our brother from a pure heart is unborn again like. I don't think there's a word like that, but it's unborn again like. It's an unborn again like action when you don't earnestly love the people of God. It's unborn again for someone who's been brought into a family by the great mercy of God through the crucifixion and resurrection of Christ and they don't attend uh, worship services with their brothers and sisters. It's, it's unborn again like to, 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 to not grow in a spiritual family. It's unborn again if you don't serve within a spiritual family. It's unborn again like if you don't disciple within your spiritual family. It's unborn again like if you don't contribute, if you don't sow into your spiritual family. It's unborn again like if you don't keep uniting, keeping the unity of the faith. It's not sincere. It's not a sincere, we are born again to love sincerely, to love sincerely from a pure heart. We love in being selfless, counting others more worthy and, and, and laying and being kind and patient with one another. We love like that to grow together and give and sow and unite as a family. We sincerely, profoundly love one another. And we also express the same love that God had for the world. And it's loving those who are not part of us. It's loving those who are out in the world with the beautiful message of the gospel, hoping that God, by His great mercy, would cause them to be born again and see and experience the one who made them. And so we, our positional holiness has to, it has to affect your love towards spiritual family. You cannot, you cannot say I'm positionally holy. And you don't want to be with spiritual family. You, you cannot say I'm positionally holy and the church this and the church that. Is that a sincere brotherly love? Is that a real care? And so our position in Christ, the fact that we are holy in being born again, it affects our love towards others. So the four areas being positionally holy affects our minds, being positionally holy uh, affects our conduct, being positionally holy affects our fear of the Lord, and being positionally holy affects our love towards our spiritual family, a love for the body of Christ, a love for the local church to, to see it flourish and grow and achieve the mission that God has placed on the church.
And so here's my conclusion. Our lives are here today and it's gone tomorrow. Our lives are fragile. The Word of God says the inward, the outward is fading, but the inward is being transformed. Outwardly, we're growing old. Outwardly, we're getting weaker. But inwardly is what matters. And that's where Peter ends and he says, For all flesh is like grass. All its glory like the flowers of the, of the, of the grass. The grass with us. It's green today. It's brown tomorrow. The flower stands today. Tomorrow it heads as dipped. But the word of the Lord remains forever. So the only thing that we can hold on to is the word of the Lord, making sure every area of our lives is aligning to the word of the Lord, because that's the only thing that's lasting forever. That's when he said, and this is the, this is the word, the good news we have preached to you. So put away, if you're born again, put away malice, put away deceit, put away hypocrisy, put away envy. Put away slander and be like a newborn baby, longing for pure spiritual milk, longing for the Word of God, longing for that intimacy, longing for that communion, longing to grow up in your salvation, persevering to the end, because it's only those who persevere to the end that will be saved. And so live your life, here's the application takeaway. Live your life in thankfulness to God's great mercy that caused you to be born again by redemption. Hold on to the Word of God with everything in you. Spend more time with the Word of God than you do with anything else in your life. Be more defined by the Word of God than any preacher or any sermon or any cultural trend. Let the Word of God do its work in you. And as someone who's positionally holy, obey, obey, obey. You're an obedient child. Obeying the will of the Father, because your life on this earth matters. Your conduct matters because you'll be judged on that. Fear God and love genuinely. Don't live for yourself, but love genuinely. Jesus said, let you lay down your life for a friend. Lay down your life for your family. Love genuinely. And so being positionally holy, has to affect our lives. We cannot conform to the world, but we be transformed by the renewal of mind into the image of Christ. Let's pray. God, we thank you. Lord, for your work this morning in our lives, God. God, I pray that in these four areas, we'll have a drastic shift, an internal transformation that our hearts are captivated by the truth this morning. God, that our minds will be ready for action. God, persevering through the trials and persecutions of this world, Lord. Not allowing the enemy a foothold in our lives, God, because he's prowling around to devour, Lord. I pray, God, that our conduct will change, knowing by your great mercy we have been born again, Lord. And we will not conform to the previous passions of this world, but we are transformed by the renewal of our minds, Lord. God, I pray that we will grow in our fear of you, our awe, our amazing, your, your magnificent, how glorious you are, Lord. God, I pray that we will love genuinely, Lord. 
Forgive us where we haven't, Lord. Help us um, in this time where we feel it's us and God. It's never. God adds us to a family. We are born again to love one another and love this world that you have put us into, Lord. Father, bless us. Go with us through this week, Lord. May we honor you and lift you high as our Savior. Jesus, there's no one more beautiful than you. It's by your precious blood that we have been saved. God, catch us. Make us alive to you, Lord. Let us fall in love with you again, Lord. You are our King. We worship you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen and amen. May you have a wonderful week this week and we'll see you next week as we continue with the last installment of this sermon series. Have a blessed Sunday. Thank you for listening. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit envintook.org.